Welcome back to Presidents and Politics. It's exciting to have a brand new season. Yes, it is. Uh, I am Professor McGee, joined by my co-host, former Congressman Ross, and we find ourselves talking on a very interesting uh, human being and president this this podcast. And exciting. You yes. know, when, if you want to look at today's polarization and the divisiveness between parties and candidates, <laughs> you know, it's really nothing new. Mm. Uh, let's go back to Andrew Jackson, who probably, you know, set the stage for the modern pres- presidency with his behavior and, and, and his determination and his independence. What a fascinating, fascinating person and, and president. As you said, party politics really played into this a lot. And yes. I remember reading through a lot of the slogans, and man, there was just such mudslinging going on. And uh, one of the slogans was, uh, vote for Jackson who can fight, not Adams who can write. <laughs> and you really see this, right? Like yeah. Jackson, uh, he is he is the ideal blue-collar Tennessee Brought up by the bootstraps of his own work. Oh, he, yeah, he was uh, he was he was he was born into poverty. His, yeah. his his mother and his brother were were uh, killed in the Revolutionary yes. War. He was held prisoner. Yes, only uh, president yeah. who has ever been held prisoner of war, and the last president who fought in the American Revolution. He was thirteen at the time. It's yeah. kind of hard to say that he fought, but he did sustain some, sustain some wounds actually. Yes, um, as a boy. Yes, crazy okay. officer uh, raised a sword, cut him across the face and the hand, yeah. and was marched two weeks to a British war camp before yeah. later being released. He hated the British. He did. Did. He always said that he carried a scar of his hatred of the British with yes, him he did. for and the rest of his life. Yep. And yep. he hated a lot of things. He was not uh, He was not shy to express his opinion, no. and, but he was a determined man. I mean, you yes. look at this guy, born into poverty. Uh, you know, his, his mother and his brother die. Uh, and fatherless. His father yes, dies even right. before this. And so here he's orphaned. he is. Orphaned, self-taught. Mm-hmm. You know, determined to, to become a lawyer, becomes a lawyer, moves to, to, to Nashville— and suddenly establishes the most amazing practice and, and <laughs> representing, you know, collectors. He was representing, he was, he was doing collections and he endeared himself to landowners and wealthy people who then found him to be, you know, a, a great person of support. And that just built his career. And politically, you know, he was the, um, he was one of the ones that were, that wrote the tennis, the constitution for the yes, state of Tennessee. That is correct. And then he was the first one appointed to the U.S. Congress, the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. And he talked about when he came to Washington that he thought that his opponents expected him to show up as a savage with a tomahawk in one hand and a knife in the other. Wow. He was backwoods. And I think he caught a lot of flack for this. Uh, a lot of the well, elites. less than a year. Exactly. The blue bloods of New York and Boston, all these areas, when they looked at him, they looked down upon him. And I think in some ways he kind of carried that chip on his shoulder. Oh, uh, I think he had a chip on his shoulder all throughout his life. Yes. And, and, you know, he comes back from Congress mm-hmm. with, less, with less than a year, says that Washington is not for me. I'm never going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the year, he's appointed to the U.S. Senate. Yes. Where he serves less than a year. Yes. Says, I am not doing this stuff. <laughs> yes. and, you know, this ain't me. He's known primarily before his presidency for his military career. And what a military career he had. And you know what's interesting? Because he starts his military career by by enlisting his own militia. Mm-hmm. He's not a, Which is he, disbanded, but he doesn't listen. Right. And marches his militia anyway because he always had a problem with authority. That's, he had a serious problem with yes. authority. Uh, he, he, you know, he raises a militia of 50,000 men ready mm-hmm. to go into Canada. Mm-hmm. And finally, when the U.S. recognizes him and they, <laughs> they, they, they put him in at what was it, the Battle of Horseshoe Bend down mm-hmm. in Alabama. That's correct. Where he, he uh, overcame the... Creek Indians. He and Indians did not have a good history. That is the uh, elephant in the room, isn't it? Yeah. Is when we talk about the presidency of Andrew Jackson, it is very marred. And and here's one thing that I always talk to my students about. There's a difference between goodness and greatness. 
And I think that well, and a lot of times in our, our new English, we do a disservice because greatness is a superlative of goodness. So if chicken tacos are good, then steak tacos are great. That's not how it worked in the old English. So goodness was purity. It was ethics. It was morality. Jackson wasn't a good man. Greatness is, is power and majesty and the ability to command. Jackson was a great man. And I think sometimes we look at history, uh, there is this, this new modern idea of erasing great men in history, but we still need to study great men. I, I know a lot of times we know, let's, let's erase Columbus, let's erase the conquistadors, let's erase these men in history. They weren't good men, but they were great men. And I think history still, we, we don't read over great men because they were, they were not good, because I think we can learn from their greatness and then hopefully add our, our morals and ethics to that. And then of course, as a Christian college, we add the Holy Spirit to that, and that, that makes You're things right. different. But I don't think we need to strike men from the pages of history because they weren't good. Uh, I think the fact they were great still deserves mention and study. I mean, think about the Roman emperors. Oh, yeah. Think about the, uh, Alexander the Great. Was he a good man? Shoot, no, but he was a great man. Yes. And Andrew Jackson wasn't really a good man per se, but he was a great man. Now, he's a quandary when it comes to the Native Americans. Oh, it was a, you know, in fact, he turned a blind eye to it when he was president yes. in, in, in the state of Georgia. But um, I, he was also an anomaly. I mean, he was a state's rights person, mm -hmm. but yet he was, he, he you know, when, when South Carolina tries to do this nullification, which we'll talk about mm -hmm. probably in a few minutes, you know, he, he, he gets ready to ask Congress to get a militia to yes. go down there and, and, and stop that. And, you know, he... He, he became president um, after he lost the first time in 1824 to John Quincy Adams because it, uh, it went there, nobody got a clear victory, and so mm -hmm. it went to the House of Representatives. And, and he has the most votes, but not enough, not a majority. And then uh, Adams cuts a deal with the Speaker of the House, you know, Clay, <laughs> and uh, Cl uh, Adams gets elected, and... This the, corrupt bargain. The corrupt bargain, yes. and, but he never forgets it. In fact, he starts to prophesize that we're going to get rid of the Electoral College. That's right. You know, that's nothing new either, guys. Oh, you right. know, the Electoral College has been a debatable issue since its creation. Yes. And will continue to be so. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, it was because he had the popular vote, he had the most electoral votes, but he didn't become president uh, because he didn't have a majority. And, 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 you know, I can see his disdain. I can see his frustration. I can see his vengeance. Yes. Uh, and four years later, by golly, he turns it around in 1828 and becomes president. The Electoral College is one of those things where you see the problems behind it. But can you imagine what the U.S. would be like without it? I mean, think about the fact, and it's been said, and I think there's some truth to this, you don't really have a lot of blue states. You have blue cities. Yes. Um, and, and can you imagine a state like Wyoming? What does Wyoming have? 500,000 people in it? Yes, if that. If that, right? And three electoral votes. Yeah, so imagine like the, the actual power and authority that that state would carry versus New York City, versus L.A., versus Santa Barbara. I mean, like, yeah. they're going to completely be drowned out. So that's the reason why we have the Electoral College. I hear all the time students be like, well, we just need a popular vote. You're going to have, like, five cities. They're going to elect every individual right. that comes into power. Yep. And, and all the small ones will have no attention or, you know, they will be ignored. Yes. Yes. And I think this is some of the problem already happening because Andrew Jackson, he's from the backwoods of Tennessee. And the, the problem is he's prophesying it's something that would actually hurt him in the long run. True. I mean, Tennessee doesn't have the large of a population either, but what he sees is he had the popular vote. So he's like, if we just had the popular vote, I would have won. So I think right. there's, there's personal reasons why he wants that electoral college pushed away. Yep. Um, going back to his, his relationship with the Native Americans, one interesting thing is if, as you study a little deeper in his life is that he actually uh, – he, he slaughters, he massacres, he goes through all of this. Of course, he, he demolishes the Creek Indians. He'll come down to Florida in the first Seminole War and the Panhandle. On his own initiative. On his own initiative. That slaughtering. Creates a, and yeah, it, so he goes down there. He, he pushes them back. 
and he gets a lot of pushback from Congress. Yes. In fact, the, uh, it, it was uh, John Quincy Adams, who was Secretary of State, came to his defense mm -hmm. uh, and saying this is what we needed, which then expedited the acquisition of Florida That's to right. the United States. That's which, right. You know, and in the process, Jackson ticks off basically all of Spain and all of Britain. <laughs> yes. I mean, just completely just and just alienates America even more, uh, drives more to isolationism at the time. Um, but during some of these campaigns, he actually comes across an orphaned uh, Creek Indian yes. baby. And, and, and he adopts, adopts him. Yeah. Um, and he, he names him Lincoa. And, you know, it's my Okeechobee <laughs> accent. Who knows if that's actually the correct pronunciation. Um, but he actually raises him as his own. He gives him a, a good education. And his desire is to send Lincona to West Point wow. and actually have him become a military officer in the American military and, like, rise up through the ranks. And, of course, Lincona dies at, I think, the age of 16. So it never takes place. But he is such a quandary. I mean, here is, here is Jackson, and he's slaughtering Native Americans on, on one corner. And then he's adopting Native American babies and raising them as his own on, on the other. And it's just he, he's an enigma. He is very much an enigma. And, you know— he was also a slaveholder. Yes, he was. And in fact, built his his uh, his, 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 his hermitage, yeah, and yes. on, on on slaves, and 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 was a proponent of slavery. Yes. and the westward expansion. Yes, um, it's it's. How do you you know what would it have been like without him? What mm. would it have been like without him? Who knows? But he he was the catalyst that led to westward expansion. Yes, he was the first president from the west, from the west of the Appalachians. Mm -hmm. So you know we're. And he was so unconventional in the way he did it. He was elected. He was a he was a populist president. Yes, he was. You know, one of the first, probably, I, probably I, the first. I mean, Washington in some ways, but Washington's kind yeah. of his own thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, who can? Uh, he's also the last president who will hold two terms until Lincoln. Actually, no That's other true. no other president until Lincoln That's will true. hold two terms because again, and I think he's probably part of this that policy that that just very Partisan. divided politics that comes yeah. up. He is part of that, and it just makes the, the country take, you know, several decades to kind of heal from that, um, which is kind of where we are today, right? Oh, we're, yes. We're back at and, that point. You know, and, and, and then speaking of where we are today, the viciousness of, of, of campaigning, you know, they, they attacked him and his wife, mm -hmm. saying that he was an adulterer because Rachel, his wife— The divorce had, had been finalized, yep. and the issues with 1700s court—excuse me, 1800s court, yes. Yes, and, and after he was elected in 1828— correct. —before he takes office, she dies. Mm. And that's just and, and he felt that that, that that the negative campaigning was so stressful on her that it that it was the, the reason for her demise. Yes. And he'll actually duel for her honor before he goes into he office. He dueled twelve times yes. and actually killed a person. Yes, and carried two bullets. One yes. set next to his heart. I mean, here he is in the office and he's sitting with like multiple lead. I mean, <laughs> is Tupac in office or is Andrew Jackson? This guy's sitting here like multiple lead in his chest. You know, you, you wonder if he was ever a poker player because the the guy, you know, You'd have to take him seriously. Oh, if he said he was going to do something, by golly, most he's, likely he was going to do it. He's going to do it. it. It was, you know, and and again, getting back to the Indian situation, you know, what happened with the uh, the Cherokee Indians in uh, Georgia, the Indian Removal Act, and the, the Trail Indian of Tears. Removal Act, yes, and, and and how we forced that, and it just, it was such a black mark yes. on our country. Yes, and you can't justify that human misery no. under any circumstance. No, and I'm glad you brought that up. But I. I I, it still makes you just say, "Wow, what a, what what an enigma this man yes. was as president," and you know I think he he really accentuated the independence of the executive office. That's good. More so than than anybody of, the, of his predecessors, and, and probably anybody since you know recent time. But he was determined to do it his way. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Uh, when it came to the national bank, 
Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> that he felt was just, you know, benefiting the, the few at the expense of the many. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and Dan Webster and Henry Clay were supporting it, and they were going after him. And when the bill passed, he vetoed it, mm -hmm. and they were coming after him again. But by golly, he was going to let them know, they, you know, this bank ain't coming back. No. And, and he Come made hell sure that— Come water. Yeah. You know, it—, it he um, diplomacy was not his uh, <laughs> his wheelhouse. I don't know if the word was in his vocabulary. It's doubtful that it ever was. Honestly, um, going back to the Native Americans, I, I, I like where you brought this up because, like you said, there's, there's no way to ever justify this. Sometimes, as American historical scholars, we're like, "Well, you got to understand." There is no understanding that there, there no. was there was. And one of the things I always walk, I love studying the Seminole Indian Wars of Florida. And one of the things I always walk away with when I study the Seminole Indian Wars is an immense respect for the Seminole Indians because they were warriors. Yes. They were always outnumbered, they were always outgunned, and they fought and ferociously. They, they weren't moving. No, and one of the things I think about is I remember interviewing an, old, an older veteran one time, he's from World War II, and he made this statement. He said, you fight for where you're born. Wow. And that's so profound. And I thought about Andrew Jackson, and he was fighting on one side. And you think about, like, Osceola and Alligator Jumper and all these, like, famous Native Americans fighting on one side. And they fought where they fought because many times they were born there. Had Andrew Jackson been born a Creek Indian, he would have probably been a famous chief who was yeah. fighting on the Creek Indian side, right? <laughs> You're right. Had Sitting Bull been born in Boston, he probably would have been the next president, You're like right. the Teddy Roosevelt. Like, a lot of times you fight for who you fight because you were born where you were born. Wow. Robert E. Lee. That's a great example. Yeah, and I just yeah. think there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of understanding that comes that if you really start thinking that through. Now there are exceptions. To that I mean things like the Nazi army, yes. uh, things like uh, terrorists of 9/11. Like there are, there are some things that are just inexcusable. Period. But I think it's very interesting that a lot of times you fight where you fight because you're born. And the other thing I thought with Andrew Jackson is to be a healthy human being and kill another human being. One thing that takes place is you dehumanize. Yes. You make that group of individuals feel like they're less than human. And I think that Andrew Jackson had done that for so long in war. If it was the War of 1812, if it's the Seminole Indian Wars, the Battle of New Orleans, the Battle of Pensacola, he's killed Native Americans for so long, he's dehumanized them so that when he comes to office as president, I don't know if he can still even see them as a human yet and still be a, a, a sane individual because he'd have to deal with all of the, this blood that he shed throughout his life. And I think that kind of marred him and marred the policies that he made. Yeah, it, yeah, it helped justify his continued actions. Yes. And you know, speaking of the Battle of New Orleans, you know that was uh, that was that was uh, what really catapulted him yes. as a military hero. Yes, yeah, yeah. I wrote some of the numbers down. I'm trying to find it. It was amazing the uh, results. So what was it? Uh, the U.S. had 5,700. The U the British only had 8,000. We only had 13 dead. They had 291 dead. Wow. Um, 39 wounded on our side. 1,200 wounded on their side. The military tactics of Jackson's mind were brilliant. Um, he's not a very learned man. He's not an Adams who's speaking Latin and Hebrew oh, no, and Greek. No, 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 <laughs> the no, least. no, 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 no. What was his really famous statement? What was it? Um, it's it's not, excuse the profanity, but this is his exact quote. It's a damn poor man who can't spell a word three different ways. I think that was one of his, his famous quotes. I mean, this is the mind of Jackson, but tactician-wise, military-wise, brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, you know, when, when, when the Battle of New Orleans is, is, is over, the, the, nobody knew that the War of 1812 had already been resolved with That's the Treaty right. of Ghent. Mm -hmm. But the word gets back that he did. And you have to understand, uh, the, the, the War of 1812 was demoralizing to the United States. Very much, especially on the Canadian the, front. The, the, yeah, yes. <laughs> and, the, and the British had, had taken over Washington. They had burned mm -hmm. the Capitol. They had burned the White House. And the only bright spot was what happened 
with right. you know Andrew Jackson down in, in, in down the swamps of Florida. Down, yes, <laughs> uh, and and that really catapulted him into national prominence, prominence not only as a leader but also as a military uh, strategist, which was amazing. It's also he picks up his nickname Hickory because yep. he was inflexible, and then as he starts aging, they start calling him Old Hickory. I remember reading a, a political scientist on this, and he said typically presidents with nicknames do better in the polls with common men. And this is probably one of the things that helped him. He was old hickory. You think about um, Teddy Roosevelt, the, the bull yep, moose. Yep, yep, uh, yep. You think about like different presidents who really appealed to the common masses, and yeah. they had very Ike, catchy. I like Ike. I like Ike. Right. Yeah. You think these very like catchy nicknames, and we don't see that as much anymore. No, we don't. No, we uh, don't. You wonder if that would be a, a smart campaigning strategy for the future is to go back to this common man That's nickname idea. That's so, a good point. You know, we just helped some some campaign somewhere. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, but that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting thought that's not used a lot anymore. But it was it was very popular. It made him uh, in many ways who he was. Well, what I think is fascinating to show you how determined this man was is that he was he he was uh, the, the the subject of an assassin. Oh, I love this. And and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the gun misfires, so he, the, he pulls out another gun to go and then misfires again. And then Andrew Jackson just continues to just pummel this guy with his cane. Beat, beat him up with his cane. He's limping because he's carrying lead in him. He's had yes. smallpox. He's been battered. You do not intimidate Andrew no. Jackson. He's six one. I think they say he's about one hundred and forty pounds this time. So he's he's a he's a beanpole yeah. walking with a cane. This guy comes. I think it was in like two and a half yards. They say pulls one misfires, pulls a second from his coat pocket. And Jackson runs towards him and takes the cane and just beats the mess out. And the legend says, I don't know if it's true or not, I've yet been able to confirm this, that actually Davy Crockett is Yes, the, that's what I heard too. Yes, yeah, Davy yeah. Crockett is, a, is, a, is the, the representative that, that pulls him off. He's yeah. probably one of the few guys that could pull him off. Yeah. That Davy Crockett actually pulls him off or he would have killed this guy with a cane. I mean, <laughs> I mean, these were men of a different breed. Yes, they were. Uh, and the, and we've, we've said this over and over again. You see the providential hand of God. They were men for their time. Yes, uh, you could not put Andrew Jackson in, in the 1920s. Uh, you, you couldn't take these men and put them in other time periods. They wouldn't have worked. You're right. uh, but, man, he fit exactly the time that had to be there. It was a hard time in America. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wondered if he was religious, and I, I did some research, and he was. He's a Presbyterian, he was a which Presbyterian. you would like to be. <laughs> yes, yes. And he, uh, I'm trying to think of. His uh, mom wanted to be a pastor, by the way. It was his mom's desire before she died, because he's 14 when she dies, because she's a nurse wow. for the Revolutionary War, and she contracts cholera or something like that. But her desire, that's why he's one of the few literate brothers, is because yes. she wants him to be a Presbyterian clergy. Um, and he actually considers this for a while, and then figures out he doesn't have the temperament to be. Oh, I imagine a not. And he likes, you know, he likes to drink and carouse and gamble. And he's like, you know, I probably would be a very poor uh, <laughs> Presbyterian <laughs> minister. So he he, he decides. So yes, he is religious. And which was, and, and in fact, uh, I think uh, I found a quote that uh, when that he said it as his final words when he passed away. It says, "God will take care of you for me. Mm. I am." I am my God's. I belong to him. I go but a short time before you, and I want to meet you all in heaven, both white and black. Yes. What is the matter with my dear children? Have I alarmed you? Oh, oh do not cry. Be good children, and we will all meet in heaven. That was actually had that quote written down. I'm, I'm so glad you saw that. I love that. Do not cry. Be good, my ch- dear children. We will meet in heaven. You know, so... Let's talk about that for a second, Caleb. <laughs> here we are. We're in the, 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 the greatest republic form of government known to mankind that has sustained itself and thri- really been thriving. I mean, we have our – if you look back at our warts and whatnot, yes, we, we've mm. had issues. We've continued to have issues. But yet we have these leaders, as we've talked about in our other podcasts, that come along at, at, at the right time, but they are marred as yes. imperfect, as, as, as villains at time. And, and 
do we just stop and just say, well, we can never do this again? Well, we can learn from this to hopefully prevent this from happening again. That's good. But how do you, how do you, uh, you know, study and understand the significance of somebody who could be so evil <laughs> to others and yet so passionate about a nation? I mean, I like that. It's it's difficult, and and we we wrestle with this. We mm-hmm. wrestle with this because we want it to be black or white. We want us to say we're all good. All Americans are good. No, all Americans are not good. Then all Americans are bad. No, they're not bad. That's good. We we're binary, human. and it's we, not binary. No, it's never binary. Yes. And there's so much gray area out there for us that that we have to keep. This is why I think faith is so important. Yes. In the perpetuation of our nation, is that that we all are subject to evil and sin and and Absolutely. and temptation, but yet there is something that drives us to a greater good. Mm. And, 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 and I think that can be reflected in the, the uh, expansion and, and, and development of our country, is that we've seen it evolve through all these. What was interesting is that his attorney general was Roger Taney. Roger Taney was the Supreme Court justice, that uh, the chief justice, that, that gave the decision in the Dred Scott decision. Really? I did not know that. Yes, who said that, you know, that, that, that African-Americans will not and cannot be considered right. citizens of the United States. Wow. What a terrible, of yeah. course. We know Worse. that now. We know that. But that was accepted back then by an, a, who was once an attorney general, then the chief justice of the Supreme Court. And, and and yet, are we to say that America should have, you know, d- dissolved back then because of this? Mm. I mean, it was bad. It was bad decisions. But when you put everything into context, the culture, mm. the influences, the the the, the 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 way life was had been carried on for so long. History's not written in a vacuum. No, it's There's not all written in a vacuum. all these outside things that and, are playing into this. And it's why this. we need to have the discussion about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, the, people are saying, well, Donald Trump this, Donald Trump that. You know, his, by golly, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. You know, Donald Trump and, 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 and Andrew Jackson might have come from the same mold. They had a lot in common. They did have a lot in common. They had both an authority problem, well, right? Both. And humility did not enter into their per- personalities Nor whatsoever. did diplomacy. <laughs> no, nor did diplomacy. Their yes. way or no way. Yes. And I'm not saying either is bad because of Andrew Jackson. You know, we, 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 we furthered the development of our nation, mm. uh, you know, at a great cost mm. to many lives. Mm. Um, but yet... As you, as you look at... Uh, the Catholic history used to do something when they would write on the saints, they'd write something called hagiographies. And it was the holy history of people. And what they would do is they'd look at a saint and they would remove all the flaws and all the bad things. And basically from the time they were a child onward, they were perfect. And we know hagiographies aren't real because people are, aren't perfect. Correct. And that's one thing that's interesting in American history is we don't have hagiographies of these men. We see their warts and all. But as we look at scripture, as we look specifically at the Old Testament, God didn't record hagiographies either. As you look at Abraham and you look at Jacob and you look at these men of renown, they had a lot of problems. Yes. And God records their problems. And I think there's a reason why, because the whole entire Bible, and I'm getting my, my pastoral role here, is a book of redemption. And I think in many ways, as we look at America, it can be a nation of redemption. There are black marks. There are, there are scars, there are problems, but there can be healing, there can be forgiveness. You talked about the idea of seeking goodness. I think that God put that in the heart of every human being that they want to seek goodness because we're creating the Imago Dei. We're created in the image of God, right? It's a marred image of God now, and only through the redemptive work of Jesus can we have the idea of actually reaching what God designed us to be. Exactly. And I think that's not only true for an individual, that's also true for a nation. Yes. And again, I think the words that he says in his deathbed, you know, crystallize that. Yes. And and it doesn't necessarily justify no. his actions. No. But it, it, it makes the mind wonder, you know, where, where what was happening? How mm. did it... You know, did he did he know all along? Did he did he know that in order to further the interests of this nation, 
that we were going to have to have some difficult, difficult and very evil times. Mm. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know. Which we have to be careful. Let's, let's uh, injustifies the means yeah, argument, exactly. right? And you so don't have, ever want to do that. No, because we're saying if we can basically harm enough now and it's good in the long run, is that okay? And that's the old philosophical question. Right. Uh, and we know from a biblical perspective, you know, God says it's not only what you do, it's why you do it. And it's, you know, how it affects others. So it is interesting. It's just, it's one of those things that's hard to grapple with. Yes, it is. And, and I think it's one thing that you and I talked about repeatedly before we even had this podcast is that Jackson, he's a hard to understand guy. He's not a, a, a Washington where just, you know, at 14 years old, writing the book, The Rules of Civility. Right. And, and learning to, all these different languages. And, yes. Yeah, and and wanting yeah. to follow his faith and just a man of principle and just a man of integrity and follow the rules of the court. And then Jackson, he's a maverick. He's a renegade. And he appeals to a great number of Americans. Which we still have that that sector of Americans that, yes. that still find that personality appealing. Right. Obviously, look at the polls today. So that's also something that parties you're going to have to deal with is that you have a large section of America that are attracted to the mavericks in politics. Yeah. And, and you know, and they have their role. <laughs> yes. They have their role. The debatable thing is what is that role, right? Yes. That's yes. Therein lies the question because is, is commander-in-chief the best role for that? And we don't know. Yeah. But we're grateful to him. Yes. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, Jackson, uh, as you said, he pushed forward uh, the American expansion like few others before him did. And he, he was a great man. Was he a good man? <laughs> That's a whole other story. As we kind of start to wrap this up, I, I'm, I love this quote. Uh, later in life as an old man, he, here's the quote. I think this defines Jackson's life. He said this, I was born for the storm and calm does not suit me well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think about that, how many people are those 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 have those lives that were built to look good and, and as they sit in the harbor that's good but yet have never been out to sea to weather the, for, the that's the, really rough, good. The, the rough weather and and he he was just the opposite yeah. he was, I had I don't want to be in the harbor that's right I want to be out there where mm-hmm. and I mean imagine at, at his age what he had seen oh, and then goes and leads this this militia, especially in the Creek Wars, and then down in the Battle of New Orleans, and then mm-hmm. then then comes down to Florida and and takes on the Seminole Indians. I mean, which is the only tribe that never signed a peace treaty. You're right. Um, they're still revered by most Native cultures. They were a lot of them called them the Water Walkers because yeah. uh, they weren't going to surrender. They were the Andrew Jacksons of the Native they're Americans, that's right? True. And yes. that's why so I, I respect them and I love to study their history because they were indomitable. They would not be conquered. Yes. Um, and like you said, you kind of have two indomitable forces meeting them each other with Jackson and the Seminoles down here in Florida. It, it's it's brilliant military history, and it's fascinating it really is. reading. When, when I was in the legislature, there they, we we had just commissioned uh, paintings in the the the, the uh, House of Representatives that, that went the history of the state of Florida. And then there is a painting there with Andrew Jackson and some of his soldiers uh, as they're, they're they're setting up the first capital mm. uh, in the state of Florida. And so his roots run pretty deep. Yes. in the state of Florida. Yes, deep you know? state Florida history. And one thing I love that you said, I just want to touch on this before we end, is you said how he wasn't built for the harbor. And I think that's really good. It's easy for us in an air-conditioned studio to sit around and criticize the actions of Jackson. But oh, yeah. how many of us would actually have done what he did in battle, in fighting, in war, in the War of 1812, keeping the British from invading, all that he did, and that marked him? He was a war horse. And he it's was hard then horse. to take a war horse and put him in an area of diplomatic politics. But had he been built for the civil diplomatic politics, he probably would have never been successful in the battlefield where we needed him. That's true. 
So I think it's easy, again, to criticize, and I, I don't want us to fall in that trap because he, he did exactly what he had to do in a time when few people could do that. Yeah. How many men or women are, are built that type of breed, just that different, maybe a little different in the mind that you can actually do that? That's true. Um, and he did it very successfully. Yes, and is today part of our incredible legacy as, as the, the, the nation that we are. The nation and the state, right? And the state nation, of Florida. Yes, both. yes. Um, so I think as we consider Andrew Jackson, he is an enigma. Uh, I do believe... You, you would love to hate him. Yes, but you, you know? can't. No, He's you too, can't. I, I always tell my students this. We, we have this idea that that people are all like superheroes like Superman, or they're the Saturday morning uh, cartoon villains sitting behind a desk thinking yes. of how they're going to plot to take over the world. But that's not how these U.S. presidents were. They weren't all Superman, but they weren't like trying to figure out who they could just kill for the fun of it. They thought they were doing the right thing, even when they did very wrong things. They right. were still thinking, most of the time, how can I make America better, even when they made very bad choices in making what they True. thought was America better. Yeah. And I think that's important to realize. Like you said, you can't just blindly binary say, evil man, we're not going to look at him. Right. And yeah. it still happens today. I mean, you know, in, in issues that we're facing as a nation. And uh, I mean, everyone wanted to remove him from the $20 bill. Uh, was that yeah. actually signed? I don't know if that was. I think he I don't think it was. Okay. I don't think it was. So next time, you know, you pick up your 20. <laughs> yeah. Think about all and, of yeah. this history behind it. He didn't even a national bank. You know, no, he you know, he was, it's ironic, isn't it? It is very ironic. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and again, he was the people's man. He was the people's man. And I think in closing, just that statement, I was born for the storm and calm does not suit me well. This has been the life of Andrew Jackson. Thank you.